So uh, I really am uh, delighted to be able to share and talk together and explore together. Uh, Abraham, this is who we've been focusing on, at least at my little piece here. And, you know, look with me at Genesis 12, verse number 1. This is, if you have your Bible, go there. If you have your Bible app, it's in the handout as well. We're just going to read this, at least this first verse, which is the connector to where we were last week. And I'm going to talk about this some more. Uh, this is before Abraham's name was changed to Abraham. He was originally Abram. And it says, and this 12th chapter is one of the key chapters in all the Bible, by the way. Uh, theologians often and, and, and Bible scholars often refer to the significance of Genesis 12. It sets everything in motion. Uh, it starts with a man. God brings forth a people. Out of those people comes a savior. But it begins by God calling out Abram in this chapter, this critical chapter filled with promise. So verse number one is the beginning of a movement. It's a movement of God. No one can see it at the time, but it's going to change the course of human history. It says that now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country. Now remember some of you, he had settled in this place called Haran. I'm going to talk to the, about that in a moment. He says, God says, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Now, again, if we can put up the map that we, we looked at last week, and just reminding ourselves the Bible happens in real places, uh, the events, the things that we're talking about, they really happened. You can go to see these, these regions still today. Um, one of the things you note here is where Haran is in relation to, say, Ur. Or the Tigris and the Euphrates, these are the two critical rivers that actually make up, in many ways, the whole uh, environment and area. And this is where Abraham came from. This is what we call today modern-day Iraq, right, is from that region. If you were to go up and you keep curling around, you eventually come to that little piece by the Mediterranean Sea there. You see it? That's Canaan. That's the land of Israel. Romans would ultimately call it Palestine. Okay? Abraham, originally with his family, his father Terah and their clan were heading that way. They had left Ur. They were on their way to make the big circular motion into the land of Canaan. Um, what ends up happening is they get stopped in Haran and they settle there and they don't go any further. That's the context for this. It's like God is saying to him, to Abram, and it catch, the starkness of the, of the wording itself, the phrase, like, get out of your country, right? It, it catches us off guard, almost as startling in a way. But it's, this is the case that I want to suggest, and, it, and I'm going to put it up here, is that there are going to be times, loved ones, where God calls us to move in a new direction, a new season, if you will, um, a new assignment to exercise faith and trust at a new level, right? And this, of course, like almost all transitions can be very scary. You can be younger in a, and in a transition that's scary. You can be older in a transition that's scary. The fact of the matter is there are times when we are following God that he's going to want to take us into something new, that he, he's going to want us to move us in a direction that is going to expand or deepen us or cause us to trust him more. But that often is going to involve facing fear and facing our fears. And it may not be an issue of geography in, in, in Abram's case, it was move from the place you are. But for others of us, it might have to do with like a, a, our life situation. It might have to do with something that God is calling us to transition towards and let go of something that we're holding on to out of security. There might be some attitude shift that God's trying to work into our life where he's trying to really 
change how we see things, how we go about things. This is a season of growth and expansion for us, but it's going to involve trusting Him. It might be for others of us something that has to do with maybe something that's more relational. And God wants to really help us here to begin to develop maybe some healthier patterns. What could be vocational, have to do with our work, or you know, transitioning out of a student life into, a, into, a, into the job place. And what does that mean for me? And how does God want me to approach that? A lot of times it's spiritual. The Lord is really trying to cause us to grow and to break free of some things that are holding us back. It's a new country, if you will. I get out from this country. Get out from this place where you've defined yourself in me. I have a new thing I want to do, and it's connected to a promise, but it's going to involve a lot of faith and trust. And it also is going to involve facing our fears. I think we can always get stuck in Haran like we talked about last week. We get ourselves sort of mired in a way of being that is no longer suitable for what God wants to grow us into. And in that place, a lot of times, you know, we can sense the Lord's trying to move us, but we're afraid. Sometimes it's because we're too comfortable, but I think a lot of times, most of us, it's because we're afraid inside. What it might cost me or what I have to give up. Or just like, do I, can I do this, Lord? You know, it, that is an, a place where the Lord wants to work with us. And God has not given us a spirit of fear. He wants to, he doesn't want us paralyzed in fear. One of the verses that means so much to me over the course of my life with Jesus, just as a follower of Jesus, I've used it at different times and at different seasons, and it's meant more to me is in 2 Timothy 1.7, where it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. And this part has helped me a lot at times. And of soundness of mind. Lord, my mind, these thoughts, my emotions. I, I need you right now. I need the power and I need the love and I need the soundness of mind. That I'm not allowing fear to be what dictates. A lot of times what, is really, what, is, what shows up as anger is really fear. What shows up as addiction is really fear. God's trying to help us. I was, you know, it was, oh, at least 30-some years ago because my wife and I didn't have children at the time. We had been recently married. We had just gotten married. We were out. Some of you maybe have gone to Russian River at some point. But I remember us, I was trying to think back in time, because now it's almost it's over 30 years, right? I was going, well, what was that like? I remember this thing that happened, though. I was in a canoe with Cheryl, my wife. We had just, you know, we were only been married for a little bit. We had a friend with us. A couple other people from the church had come, and there was like three, three different canoes, and we were paddling. I think they were canoes. They were, they were like that anyway. And we were in the Russian River, and it was a high water season, and we had all had life jackets on. But we had, there was a lot of times where the water was really mellow. But then you hit these things that were close to like rapids, and there was a particular one area where the currents were very intense, and there was like a, a tree that had fallen, and there were a lot of like roots that were up, shooting up, and there were branches hanging down. And um, we were definitely, you know, we were kind of novices and rowing. And I remember we got sucked in by the current. And the entire canoe just started drifting into, you can see it was going in slow motion. It was like drifting towards this like churning water. And, and then the next thing we know, the, 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 the little boat hits, hits the tree that was underwater and sort of like wraps around it. And then we're all there kind of going, oh my goodness. And then the, then the water starts flying over the edges of it and it starts dropping down. I remember that. And then I, the next thing I remember is I had jumped out with my life jacket, right? And the other, and, my, and our friend was there too. And I, I looked, I, I just assumed Cheryl was there. 
I look back, she's hanging on a branch, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, she's hanging on a branch and it's going like up and down. She's like going under and up and she's at the light jack, but it's like, I go, shall I let go of the branch, right? Let go. No, if I, if I do, I'm gonna get stuck in these, in these, there was these branches and stuff. I was like, I can't let go, I can't find. She wasn't gonna let go. But she told me until her arms started feeling like they were gonna fall off. She does let go, she dips underneath the water and sure enough, pops right out. But I was remembering that moment because it was the fear of getting stuck that caused her to hold onto that branch and it just kept working her over. And that's what fear does. It's just like, if, 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 if we can't let go of something, it's like it just, keeps, it just keeps working us over. God wants us to let go, right? To let go. In Abraham's case, the Lord says, get out of your country. You're to leave the familiar and the friendly and go out in the unknown and the unwelcome. Don't be afraid. God was asking Abraham to be um, a pioneer. Pioneer of faith. A pioneer you were to look up the definition, is one who goes before is into the wilderness to prepare the way for others to follow. That's what a pioneer does. And Abraham is kind of like that. That's why we call him the father of the faithful, because he shows us the way, and we can follow behind his life and use that as an example for how to follow God better. I've always been mesmerized by explorers. You know, I... I some of you are like that. Some of you like reading about them. I've always loved reading about people who explored and were adventurers and kind of like the forefathers of extreme sports people, I suppose. But they, they always, I always was fascinated, even when I was a boy, with people who were willing to take daring, daring journeys into places that had not been discovered. And, you know, there's less things now in this world that are not discovered that we can see anyway. But... Uh, there was a period not that long ago, and this is going to be, a, if you think, okay, my first report I ever did when I was a little boy, was I was thinking back in elementary school, I was going, I remember, I first time I ever did a report, it was on, and it, it set, me go, set me in motion, I suppose, it was on this explorer. It was a Portuguese explorer, I had to pick one, and I picked him, named Vasco da Gama. <laughs> and Vasco da Gama was significant because I watched how he did, he, he was the first one to take a ship, um, from the Europe and bring it down the African coast and curl around what, was, what is called the, the, the Cape of Good Hope and then make, it their, make their way to the east and open up the trade routes to the Indies or to India. He started it and I, always, I was just fascinated by it. Later on as an adult, I got immersed myself. There was a period where everybody was talking about Lewis and Clark. Stephen Ambrose had written this amazing history book called Undaunted Courage. Ken Burns and PBS had come out with this special on, on Lewis and Clark, and, and they were showing, really showcasing our history as a people, a nation, and what it was like to explore. You know, when, in, I know, okay, stay with me. 1804, Thomas Jefferson basically asked two men, Meriwether Lewis and William Clark, to form a corps called the uh, Corps of Discovery. And their assignment was to go explore the land between what we knew on the East Coast. This is okay. This is less, think about this. Only 215 years ago, nobody knew what existed between the Mississippi River and the Pacific Coast. They didn't know what was there. 
Is that, so the, we get this thing called the Louisiana Purchase. We purchased this land in the middle. Uh, I, 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 she, can you guys put up that map, the other map that I had? I'll just show you real quick. All right. All right. So what happens is nobody, the Mississippi River is one, you see it, it cuts right through down. It's, it's one of the critical rivers, obviously. But you can also see where the Missouri River is. And what they knew was that nobody knew what was there, not really. But they were hoping, they were given this assignment. We want you to figure out what's all in that, in that region. And we also are hoping that you will be able to find a waterway that will allow people to travel. Again, this is a little, just over, not that long, 200 years ago. Allow, travel from one side of the country to the other side of the country. From the Atlantic coast to the Pacific coast. They were thinking, there's this thing called the Northwest Passage. If you find it, it will allow, it will allow us to take the water the river up the Missouri, all right, get to the river, and then they were hoping there'll be another waterway that you'll be able to come down and it'll empty you towards the, ultimately the Pacific Ocean. And we'll be able to connect our land through the water. That's your task. Find the Northwest Passage. Discover everything you can, find that passage. Well, they ended up, they ended up going for it. It was an amazing story. What happens, I think some of you are aware. They, they get the, because, okay, because up until this point, okay, this is my, Stay, just stay with me on this one, okay? The only way you could get around from one ocean to the other in, in the United States, if you can put that other map up real quick, you guys. All right, look at that. By the way, I saw this video. I think it was Jimmy Kimmel. And they had these people that they were doing street interviews with, and they showed them, like, they didn't name any country, just a world map on. And they said, can you name one country on this world map that had no, no designations? There were people who could not even identify the United States. They were identifying continents. Even if you identified Australia, you would get the country right, right? I mean, think about it. But this is South America and North America. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. And here's the thing. People in, the, in that period, the only way you could get to the Pacific Ocean was to travel by water all the way down. I mean, this is the way they did, would do it. You could make this treacherous attempt. But you travel down all the way down to what's called the Cape. You can see that Cape Horn. And you have to come all the way around. And here's the problem. The waters by Argentina and Chile, down there on the tip, some of the most intense, tumultuous waters in the world. Because the Pacific Ocean, which is more sedate, why it's called the Pacific Tranquil, and the Atlantic, when they come together, they like this like mass of water churning together, and people died all the time, shipwrecks all over the place. It was perilous. You took your life in your hand. I mean, you could, you died, people died frequently trying to make that journey. So I say all that because there was a lot of incentive going back to that Lewis and Clark thing. Here's the thing. They take off, they're going on this, they find, they, they, they get finally to what's known as, just stay with me on this, the Continental Divide. The Continental Divide is the part of our landmass in the United States where the water, if you, were to, if you were thinking of it this way, when it, it will flow ultimately to the Atlantic, or from the divide, if it flows this way, it'll flow to the Pacific. That's the divide. They're coming to the top of the Missouri River, to the space where they're going, okay, this is where we think it's gonna be. The opening that's gonna allow us to connect everything we've been searching for. We're gonna find a river, uh, a lake, 
something like uh, maybe a sea, an inland sea that will allow us to negotiate all the way from one side to the other with very little trouble. It'll open up the United States. All this land will open up to us. They get there, and they get, I, in your mind's eye, you got to see it. They're coming to the crest, to the edge. They get to the spot where they're thinking, this is it. This is the moment. We're getting to the divide. What is on the other side? Nobody has seen it that has been able to record it. They get there, they're thinking, could it be, could it be? They see a sea. They do see a sea. But it's a sea of mountains with jagged ridges that go from the north to the south to the west. It's just over. They're stunned. They're utterly shot. They're just stunned at what's before them. You know what they ended up seeing? The Rocky Mountains. The Rocky Mountains essentially were a sea of jagged mountains that made it so clear there would be no Northwest Passage. There would be, it would, and by the way, it would take 65 more years before we even had a railroad that would cross the country. They came back with their report. We couldn't find what we found. There's no way to get it across. It's not going to work. There's not going to be any waterway to get across the United States. But we did discover all kinds of wonderful things. We found, we met all kinds of Native American tribes, um, some of whom were very sophisticated, came across amazing flowers that no one has ever seen before and recorded. We came across fauna and wildlife that no one even knew about in this recorded world of the West. They were seen in buffaloes and things like that were like amazing things. They came across these things called prairie dogs. They were like gophers that would stand on their heels and make noises. I'd never seen one. I was a city boy. I wouldn't, until I went to South Dakota, I actually saw a prairie dog. You look it up, you see what it looks like. Anyway, having said that, and they saw one other creature, and I'm going to leave it at this. They saw this thing they had never seen before, and when they, started, when they tried to shoot it down, it kept coming. It was like no creature they had ever seen before. Their guns couldn't take it down. They had to run into the river. It was a grizzly bear. They had never seen a grizzly bear that, no bear that ferocious. Now, here's the thing. They were, I said all that to say this, that God was calling Abraham to be an explorer in his faith, an adventurer and not play it safe, to dare and take risks. And I look at this passage, right? Go back to it if you can with me, because there's one thing that really stands out Right? As I'm looking at this, I'm saying, oh, and even before I, I, I look at this and I go, wow, Lord, that's exactly what you're saying. You know, get out of this country, have faith, be daring. And I think a lot of us live, if I can say it this way, we live our lives, certainly spiritually speaking, but I think, period, we live our lives within a small range of our potential. We underestimate what God has made us to be. We tend to play it safe within the borders, rarely exploring the wilderness, the uncharted territory of what God has for us or would have for us to become. And we talked about last week all the excuses we make, you know, why God can't do this or this. And I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm a mess. I'm a contradiction. I got a past. I failed. All the reasons. You know, William James, he was talking about in his book, Memories and Studies, he was talking about what he called the, in, the habit of inferiority to our full self. I just asked them if they could put it up there real quick, and then I'm going to shift back to the passage. He says, the human individual thus lives far within, I'll just say, his or her limits. He or she possesses powers of various sorts, which, 
we have habitually fail to use. We energize below our maximum, and we behave below our optimum. What we've, you see what this is saying? We've got so much more in us. So much more. It's like God has more for us. He has, and, and maybe right now, this is a season that some, God is actually calling some of us to not settle for living in Haran and get out to the country that God has for us. Like there's a new thing he wants to do in our lives. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a growth point in us. It's a trust component. Um, God was challenging Abraham to become daring, courageous, risky, to live his life to the optimum, to maximize to push beyond the safe, to push beyond the self-appointed limits that he was content, as most of us are, to live within. And so we see here's a picture of God pushing him out, out of the nest. How did God say it? Get out of your country. Leave the place of your father. It's almost like it's, it's very, there's a principle here, by the way. When we are on a journey, if we are not, it's much easier to keep momentum going than to restart. That's why I'm a very strong believer in pacing on any good endeavor. The, what happens is when you have to restart something, we oftentimes don't. A lot of times what occurs is what happened with Abraham's family. They were on their way, but they got stalled, and then they laid down roots. See, when you break out of orbit, you can keep things going easy. But the power to break out of orbit is much more intense and hard than once you get in there to keep it going. And so the principle is certainly true in the Lord as well, that it's better to pace ourselves, but if we get to places where we completely stop, it's much more difficult to restart. Abraham, God is asking him to, you got to get out. You, you got to start out. You got to get out. You got to go. Look at the verse two. He tells him this, I will make you a great nation. Now, how does this word comes to him, whether it was, of audible voice or an impression or a dream. I, I'm going to make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken. Lot, his nephew, went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. I'm going to bless you and make a great nation. He's 75. He doesn't have any children. His wife, Sarai, is barren. What? What are you talking about, Abram? But it says your, your name is going to be great. People who bless you, they're going to be blessed. People who curse you, they're going to be cursed. Right? Who, those who do well to you will be blessed by God. And then he says, in you, all the families. That means all the peoples of the world will be blessed. What was God getting at? Because out of you is going to come a Savior. Who will bless the world. It was, a, it was already foreshadow of the coming of Jesus, who had come for, as a very much directly from Abram, like the miracle son that Abram would have, Isaac, would ultimately bring forth a people, and out of that people would come forth that Savior. So look at it this way. I just have to put this up. The promise that God gave to Abram was a tremendous promise, incredible, actually, irrationally, radically disproportionate to anything that Abraham or Abram had ever done to deserve it, which is, by the way, a great working definition for what grace is from God. 
It's like a disproportionate blessing of God's goodness over our lives. And, and then, but here's the thing. It was also still going to require like this disproportionate blessing that he could never have earned or deserved. Why me? That blessing was still going to require from him a costly obedience. Right? He had to get out. He must break with everything he knows. He has to, he, he, he has to believe that he's heard from God. And, he, and, and I must say, he must have seemed initially a little preposterous. Maybe to those who loved him, Abraham, are you sure? I mean, we respect you and everything, but this seems like a very unnecessary move at this stage in your life. I mean, I don't know if you've checked that out. It sounds a little bit foolhardy from you. I'm not sure. Maybe even a little bit fanatical. But here's the thing. The way God works with Abram reminds us of a couple of things. And here's, here's one of the things it reminds us of. That there are times when God is intentionally vague about the details. Listen, loved ones. About the details of what he's going to ask us to do what he's leading us to do, how can I say it? We usually, when we're following the Lord in a, in a way that requires us to have a little bit of daring, we usually don't get all the details on the front end. It's almost, it's almost like he doesn't fully disclose. It's like he's going to ask, this is the thing, I'm asking a full commitment from you without telling you exactly what you're committing to. But don't I get to like read the, I don't want to. No, I'm asking you to commit to me without actually me telling you exactly what you're fully committing to. But that's, yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. I want the facts first. I need the facts. I, 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 how can I commit to what I do not know? That's what trust is. That's what faith is. Get out from the country. Walk with me to the land I will show you. It'll open up. There are, there, there are times, listen, when all God really wants from us in our life is a humble, listen, some of us, this is where we are, that all he really wants from us is a humble obedience in the right direction. That's all. We take a step. There's our word. Step. I take a step. I think this is what you want me to do, Lord. It scares me. I'm going to do it. I'm going to try. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to ask you to help me. I'm going to put people around me. I'm going to do, I'm going to be open. I'm open, Lord. I want to stay. I want to see that. And he's not saying, because a lot of, a lot of times, you know, it's like, that's when his will unfolds. We just, Oh, I can't see where this is going. I'm just going to go with what the Lord I feel you put in my heart to do, and now I'm going to walk by faith into it. That's what I'm going to do. This means that me, I have to let go of something in, in, my, in my heart or in my life. I have to be open to a change that I need to be open to making, that I want to respond to you here. God, help me because I'm afraid. I'm afraid. But I'm going to take my step anyway in the direction. That was the hardest part to me. It's like Abraham finally had to decide to go. Packing up, preparing, but then you got to do it. And he did it. Now, consider the gap. There's going to be 25 years between the time that God gives the promise here in Genesis 12 and the time that God, listen to this, begins to fulfill it. Two and a half decades before a blade even breaks out of the ground. 25 years before the promise 
shows up all here underground. You know, we, we, we sometimes, this is what happened with me, there are waiting periods, as you can see, between the time God often births something in our heart and when he brings it to pass. And a lot of times we go, uh, you know, Lord, uh, I, want, I want this to happen now. I, I, I made my, I took, I did my faith thing. I trusted you. I made this adjustment. You got to deliver the promise. I mean, that's the promise you made. You got to deliver it. I'm reminding myself, look, all the Lord is saying, you make the move that God's putting in our hearts to make, but sometimes that gap is a little bit longer. Doesn't mean it's gonna, not going to happen. Abraham walked by faith for 25 years. By a miracle, God brought the miracle boy. And he laughed when God said, this is the time, because he says, there's no way. And Sarah laughed. They laughed. That's why Isaac's name means laughter. Jacob becomes the son of laughter, if you will. I mean, it's because it was incredible. What's not, okay, a lot of times we have to be careful about getting stuck in a timeline. So like, Lord, if I do what you ask me to do, you're going to bring this person. Or if, you're gonna, if I do what you ask me to do, what I feel like you're going, then you're going to open up this door. Doesn't always, a lot of times, it's like, and I'm going to really take a risk here with how I use this analogy, but we're searching for the Northwest Passage, but what we really are is in the, we're really discovering things. And even though we don't get the main thing, we might, by the time we're done, have so many other wonderful things that came because we were willing to move with that. That's what God does. Uh, uh, the last thing I'll say on it is consider the test. Abraham, this is his first test. This is his first big test. It's going to have to do with his willingness to respond, his willingness to embark on a journey into the great unknown in search of a land that God says, I will show you. Oh, by the way, along the way, Abraham, Abraham will have about 11 tests in his life, culminating with what I call, I think the first test was the second greatest test, the final test Everything he's learned is going to get called into this moment because God is going to say to him, you know that miracle boy I gave you? You got to give him back to me. What? Yeah, give him back. Surely. Surely that's not, you're not like that. You're not like that. That's, that, 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 that's what the, the, the gods of Canaan do. That's what these people do. They, 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 they do human sacrifice. That's not what you do goes against everything you've ever taught me. You give them back to me. Now at the end, God, you read it, God spared that test. God says, no, don't do it. Don't do it. At the end, it's not, he spares Isaac. Isaac. It doesn't happen. But you know what? What Abraham was asked to do, God, he has done. He's given his only son. And that's what that was all about. I think a lot of times, we forget as we seek to gain ground that God has for us that we're also going to be tested along the way. But that testing isn't really like to catch us doing something wrong. It's not about God toying with us. Remember this. When we get tested in, in our life with him, it really is far more to do with how he's trying to develop and grow us. 
It's like what he's trying to work into our lives. So here's the question. Where is the fearful place that God is asking us to step into? Where is it for you? Where is it for me? Where is that fearful place? Because a lot of times that's exactly what's going on. Is God is saying, I need you to that place that you're afraid of, that place. You know, or it might just be we're sensing God calling, but we're like, I don't want to let go of this thing. Well, I, 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 even, even, even though it's not good, I know it. So bad familiarity is better than not knowing what will happen if I let go. See, that's the place right there, that fear. God doesn't give me a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a soundness of mind. Do, if he has a new chapter to write, if he has a new place for us to break into, if he has a new level of depth for us to get in, maybe for some of us, it's the first time we say, Lord, I'm gonna open my life up to you. That's a risk. That's, a, that's like facing a fear. I'm gonna open my life up to you. I'm gonna really take it serious. I'm gonna, Lord, I'm gonna be open here to, to a new thing that you're trying to develop me. I wanna be open to letting go of what has been my security, my identity, and I, 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 or what means something to me, I don't think I can live with that. I'm gonna try, if you're asking me to yield that, then I, help me, help me, Lord, because a lot of times what it is, is at the core is we're afraid, and fear and faith clash. Wherever fear runs things, it's gonna ultimately come into clash with faith. Because where there is real faith, and when we trust, fear is pushed out. They don't coexist well. When we have faith, we begin to trust God, fear begins to naturally pull away. But when we hold on and we're afraid, we get small, can't let go, keep getting, can't get free, get out of this country, get out of that country, get out of that place. That is not the place of promise for you. The place of promise for you is not here. No, not here. But it's what I know. It's what I'm comfortable with. I can't live without that. This is what I want. This is what I feel. I You've got to get out of there to get here. And this is the place of promise where I want to take you. I don't know where that is in our life. We have, I, believe, I believe there are seasons where we are being called into a point of trusting God in new ways with something that we've always held on to. And the Lord is saying, this is time for a new thing. I want you to learn how to... Challenge this fear in your life. And trust me, step with me. Step with me. Step with me. Bring others into this. Step with me here. All right, let's pray. So even before we're going to have our closing song, our time of giving, I know a lot of us are giving now faithfully through our apps and online and stuff, but we're still going to have a time of giving. I'm going to ask you, Lord, even now, to uh, take this word that we've been able to share together and help us. Help us to not, to not let it go quickly. Maybe there's something very specific that we felt impressed to respond to in faith in our life. But the truth is we're afraid. We're a little afraid, or maybe we're a lot afraid. Been in both places. How hard it is sometimes to trust you, even when we know it's the right thing to do, how hard it is to trust you, to have faith. But that's, but that's the way we grow. And that's the way your promises come to pass over our lives and through our lives. And that's how you affect other people. And help us, God, to be open, not to be afraid of letting go and be open to the new places that you have for us to move into. Perhaps the next stage of our life with you. 
has to do with an adventure of trust, to be a daring risk taker for you to, to live more closely into our potential, our God-given potential as a follower of Jesus. Help us, Lord, to keep growing. Be with us as we close out the service. I'm not in a hurry right now. Let this the final song come after this little upbeat interlude. I ask for the, the last song to just let it settle into our soul. You would speak to us through it in these closing minutes. This is what I ask for all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. God.